what if I told you there's a place I can show you where you can confront the darkest of your nightmares? It's a place you can leave at any time you wish with just the push of a button. But rest assured, you will never forget your time at the Nightmare Bazaar. Funny how people talk about being able to look yourself in the mirror when they talk of pride. Mostly the same people who've never had problems being seen in the first place. Is that a misconception about your people? Probably the most criminal thing about being one of us. We never age past 25. Being one of us is inherently a struggle to be seen. It isn't easy living such a long lonely life. Well in the name of being seen, tell me, what's your name? Oh my, that's right. I never even got to properly introduce myself to you. How gauche. It's not every day I meet someone as flamboyant as you. Your name didn't concern me right away. Just let me turn this thing on before we really get going. Okay, let's start with your introduction. My name's Cormac Blight. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. Irish, I assume? Yeah, yeah, weren't born there. How long since you came here then? Well, I've been here before, but I've been away some time. I waited to come back to America till that yellow-haired racist shit was out of office. Not that it's so much better now, I mean, it's still a bunch of old, straight white men running the place. But I got back in February. <laughs> How'd you get back? Did you fly here yourself? What do you mean? I'm single, so yes, by myself. I mean, did you fly? For fuck's sakes, Todd, we are not a monolith, okay? No community is, but I don't know a single one of us who can fly. We can climb a good game, sure, but fly? No. Bats have nothing to do with any of it. A literary invention. And while a pretty fun cinematic visual, I must say, is totally foolish. I got bit by a bat once, actually, in Romania. Got very ill. It was awful. You can get sick? We're humanish in a lot of ways. I mean, we do get sick, yes. Especially if we feed on someone else who's sick, whether with cancer, chemotherapy turns people into walking, noxious, sour candies, or just a common cold. But something like cancer can't kill us. Though feeding off a chemo patient will put a vamp in bed for a week. And don't even get me started on all the different AIDS meds over the years, FDA approved or otherwise. You ever get sick? With HIV or AIDS? Yeah, or with any of the drugs. Honey, I chewed on so many boys who were sick in the 80s when even they didn't know it. I felt like a, a walking early detector. Sent handfuls of them to the doctor after I'd come down with a terrible rot in me gut. And sure enough, ten days later they'd be calling me to let me know their diagnosis. Some found out early and that helped. And others it was just already too late. Wait, but wouldn't they just become a vampire then and they wouldn't be sick anymore? Did I say something stupid? Not stupid, prejudiced. So you grew up your whole life being taught the slander and the archaic fuckery of the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, I can't blame you, but that's why I'm here, to teach. That means the, the whole turning thing is bullshit. Of course it's bullshit, imagine! If we were able to turn people, your term, not ours, 
There'd be vampires lining the fucking city streets, the world would be overflowing with blood. One irresponsible vamp could convert an, an entire city in months. A hungry, desperate one far worse. Now, it's all a myth. Not to mention we aren't colonizers. <laughs> no master plan to take over or any of that. Okay, I'm only, I'm only kidding. It pretty much forget everything folklore's taught us about you, right? 90% of it, yes. Then, then tell me about your family, Cormac. Tell me your story. Well, vampires come from all parts of society, like, like human beings. You know, for every Vlad the Impaler, there are legions of poor, working-class vamp families in every nook and cranny across the globe. We come from every culture, every race. I'm Irish mostly, but I'm part French too. Interesting. My father was an Irishman living in France. I was born around 1790 in the midst of the French Revolution. My father was a shoemaker, a cobbler. The first smells I remember are shoe, leather, and polish. My mother was a young black French woman my father had met when he first came over from Ireland. We call my mother a sex worker today, but that's not what they called her back then. But my father, he... He wasn't like most other men, you know? He taught me things, things I don't think most other people taught their children in those days, especially not their boys. How so? He taught me that no matter what a person did to keep a roof over their head, they were still deserving of love and respect, you know? He, he fixed shoes mostly for people who needed them to work. He wasn't no fancy cobbler. He didn't make shoes for anybody rich, and he wasn't rich for it. So, from a young age, I, I knew my father was a good man. And my mother, she was just... She was too good for this world. So, who was the vampire? Your mother or your father? My mother. And how did your father feel about, you know, you being a vampire? Loved me like any other child. Protected my mother and I, until he couldn't. During France's reign of terror, my father worked with revolutionaries, see? Except things collapsed into utter chaos. What started as revolution became nothing but blood and horror after a while. They'd set price controls in the city and said anybody caught stealing was counter-revolutionary at the price of death. And my mother had been caught stealing loaves of bread and cheese. They tried to take her away, they were going to execute her, and my father wouldn't let them. Who knows what they might have done if they found out she was a vampire, too. But she was too weak at that point to fight back, and she refused to feed off human blood, regular food, even rare meat. That doesn't fuel one of us for long. A couple of fathers supposed friends, these revolutionaries, they hacked my mother and father to death while I hid beneath the floorboards of our little house. Cormac, my god, that's horrifying. My parents' blood seeped through the cracks in the floor, so I drank what was left of them. I waited till the men were gone, and I ran to a friend of my father's, another man from the neighborhood, and he helped me get out of France and back to Ireland. That is an incredible but heartbreaking story. Pressing, isn't it? I'm still here, though. I pledged to live forever after what they'd done to my parents. They would have hacked me to death, too. Sort of made it a point later in life to go to places where revolution broke out just to keep an eye on things. Revolutions are wonderful, but there's always someone, some class of people, who will abuse it for their own purposes. So what happened when you got back to Ireland? At the time, I was sick of revolution. It wasn't until I was older that I felt the urge to get back into it. Of course, there's never really been a time in Irish history that was good for escape and revolution. So I hid away in the hills, the swamps, any place I couldn't be found. Did you feed? Yes, yeah, so mostly on animals. See, people act like we're junkies, right? They portray us as fiends dying for the next hit, but it's not like that. We certainly get ill without blood, weak and sick, but there's no craving. It's the same as if you were stranded in the desert with no water. 
is necessity, a thirst, but not an addiction. Again, even animal blood don't sustain a vampire too long, and after a while I'd cleared out most of the forest wherever I'd be at any given time. Occasionally I'd drop into a village, find some family willing to take me in for the exchange of my labor. There I'd usually find a boy and once a while a girl who'd let me sip on their veins a bit and get me back to full health again. And then I'd be off once more back into the forest, deep into the land. Wasn't that lonely though? Obviously. But nothing compared to more modern loneliness. Hmm, explain. I was more accepted back then, but people didn't question our existence. They knew we were real, even if some were scared by us. Somewhere along the way, it's as if people just forgot. Nowadays, there's certainly more visibility, and people have taken my kind much more seriously, especially in certain communities. Yet, along with more visibility comes more hatred. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad to be seen. But even in 2021, I still gotta defend my existence. That I was born this way and not made. It can be very lonely. Lonelier than my time in the Bogs of Ireland, too, I'll tell you that. What about love? What about it? Have you ever been in love? <laughs> well, I've been in love, yes, Todd. Still showing your human hubris, or maybe just naivety. I'm a journalist. Both, then. <laughs> I've been in love so many times. That's part of the loneliness. You watch lovers pass away, unable to do a thing for them, going on after, and it's a horrible cycle. Yet you keep going through it. That's life even when you're immortal. Well, not entirely immortal. Now tell me more about that. Like I said, we can get sick and we can be killed, but we can't die from natural causes. And as I've mentioned, cancer won't kill us no matter if we're 500 years old. So the stakes through the hearts. That stuff's true. Folklore's not all wrong. I mean, what wouldn't die from a stake in the fucking heart? The garlic. I, I'm betting that's foolishness. Actually, the garlic's no bullshit. But we're subject to evolution like any other creature. And that's why the garlic on your breath isn't burning me up with a fever and a rash. It's simply telling me that you ate at a bad Italian restaurant earlier that uses powdered spices, not fresh. <laughs> the vampire strength, that's a real thing too. We may not fly, but we can climb walls at a sheer core body strength. It's not even something we gotta maintain or build up, it's just innate. Could you show me? My lord. You make it look effortless. That is literally the most fascinating thing I've seen with my own two eyes. Literally. I've seen the sunrise from atop the Eiffel Tower, the literal top. I've sat in the audience with Johan Brahms watching the performance of his work, and years later I'd meet Sister Rosetta Tharp after one of her shows too. Not a continent on which I haven't sent foot. There's so much tragedy in our lives, but there's so much joy too. I'm really glad you shared your story with me, Cormac. I know this is just going to help sell magazines. People are going to be more interested in how different I am rather than my struggles, I know that. No, that's not what this is about for me. You don't get it, Todd. I, I appreciate you, your intent. But the fact we still need magazine articles and interviews to humanize us isn't exactly inspiring. And it's yet again another straight white man telling our story for us. I'm sorry, man. That's not my intention. Hundreds of years ago, one of my friends, Mercala, she met a man, a writer, in a pub in Ireland. She thought he was sweet. He asked all the right questions, said all the right things. She told him about one of her recent relationships with a younger woman. 
Couple years later, Sheridan Le Fanu wrote a book of fiction, but everything in it was based on Mercalla. The beginning of our history being told by others, framed as deviance and monstrosity. That supposed young girl in his fucking story was 20 years old when Mercalla met her, but that little piece of fiction had power. It still do. And there are people who continue to think we're all fucking pedophiles and sexual monsters trying to devour their children. So when I talk about you, your straightness, your whiteness, the contempt is because of history. You've personally been quite nice to me, really. I still appreciate this. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. How can I help to change things for people like you? Be honest. Don't cut anything from our interview. Just let my truth speak for itself. Guess I can't take your picture then, huh? Another of folklore's truths. Too bad. Very handsome. Thank you, darling. You're not so bad yourself. Hey, you want to go get something to eat? You're not going to trick me and take me someplace to, like, suck on me, are you? After all this, that's what you'd say to me. No, no, I didn't mean anything by it. I've just never been around someone like you. Remember, Todd, I'm not out here trying to convert your kind. None of us are. And we can't anyway, even if we wanted to. God, I know. I'm sorry, Cormac. There's enough of us already. Plus, silly. I only bite with consent. Another week, another macabre tale. Thank you for joining me here amongst the darkness. You can find more content at patreon.com slash fathergore, where podcast episodes release early for patrons. There are a handful of tiers including creepy monthly stories, queer gothic essays, film lectures, as well as columns on pro wrestling, film remakes, and more. Please share the podcast with your creepy friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere to help spread the horrific word. And don't forget, you never ever really leave the Nightmare Bazaar.